conversation with all things breathing and uh, this is I suppose three breathing nerds and we just wanted to kind of we we're having a chat amongst ourselves and we we're wondering you know where is breathing going how has breathing arrived at this point what has held breathing back um and anything that's got to do with it so i'm joined with of course my sidekick here daniel paulson from sweden and another swede that uh, many of you will be familiar with is anders olsen who was of course on the journey with james nestor in the book brett so welcome everybody so um welcome anders and yeah so just a little bit of background and uh, let's kick off you know you've been teaching breathing where did you start where is it going and uh, all things breathing yeah so today you're outnumbered then by two swedes right <laughs> well that's a hard one so it is you know <laughs> well and if you start speaking swedish we're i'm absolutely out of the picture so we'll stick to english whatever okay. chance i have okay yeah well, my breathing journey started in 2009 when I read a book, How to Swap Asthma for Life. And it was, uh, to a large extent, about the Bateco method and how you could actually improve your asthma and eventually make it disappear by just turning to your breathing habits and improve those. And uh, not long after that, I took your course in Denmark. Um, mm -hmm. So that was when we first met in two. And that was Buteco, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It, it was, was Buteco in Copenhagen, yeah. Because yeah. Oxygen yeah. Advantage wasn't around then, by then. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And from there, so did you have asthma, Anders? I can't remember. No, my issue was mainly a racing mind. Problems to unlock the turbo and, and slow down. And I could notice almost immediately that it gave me a, a new tool, a, an ability to unlock the turbo, to slow down. And since then, I've, I've just proven it to myself over and over again that carbon dioxide is really, it has a calming effect on our mind. And I don't mind having my turbo at all. I, I love it, but sometimes it's not uh, adequate. You need uh, another gear. So for me, that was a huge thing. I, I realized when looking back that that was the thing I probably have searched for my whole life, that ability to wind it down. So it was, a, and I think it, it's, it was a life changing actually for me. Can you imagine the number of people who are searching their whole life and they never actually find that solution? You know, and I would say in terms of this is another conversation and I had a conversation with a journalist yesterday talking about she was talking about very much anxiety but i was saying okay there's a lot of attention with people with anxiety but what about the people who don't necessarily have anxiety but their minds are all over the place yeah and they cannot concentrate and the other question is i had a meeting last night with 40 instructors and i asked them show me how many of you here in this group have been taught how to concentrate and out of the 40 people only two put up their hands and it ties in with exactly what you're saying. So your mind was racing, you were in turbo, and uh, you came across breathing. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. But did you, Anders? Did you, did you uh, try other things before that, such as such as yoga or something else? Was this, uh, or and how did you get into to breathing? Like, what led you to breathing? I I tried many different things, like improving my working habits and. Uh, thinking habits, sleeping habits, uh, and I also tried meditation and, and yoga, but I couldn't really 
get, for example, meditation, I, I couldn't wind down. It, it, it's not that easy to meditate, actually, if you live up in your head. At least that was my experience. Oh, it's total. Totally. Yeah. And this is the, Anders, we can discuss this, you know, that mindfulness, everybody out there knows pretty much about mindfulness. Mm. And can you imagine the person with the racing mind that their physiology is in that fight or flight response and their sleep is impacted? Mm. You know, when they start paying attention to their breathing and their mind is all over the place, the problem is the physiology is off. And John Kabat-Zinn, you know, and even if you were to look at Vipassana with SN Goenka, the instruction is don't change your breathing. But in actual fact, this was fine back in the day when mindfulness was developed as a part of Buddhism, yeah. where people were living very natural lives. Exactly. Breathing was probably likely to be better. But for the modern individual, the one thing that we do need to do is actually change our breathing. So it's yeah, interesting that you you'd speak about that. Yeah, that, that's my experience as well mindfulness and meditation they are great but they are like one two three four steps up the ladder we need to start with the basics which we have kind of forgotten and and also what i find more and more is the connection with our emotions and with our emotional blockages and and when i look back i can realize what was the root cause for my um, uh, stress levels and for me, it was when I grow up, I somehow installed a program saying that in order to be loved, I had to perform. So my racing mind came from, from that idea that uh, love is connected to performance. And, and then if you perform more, well, then you can get more love, sort of, which was not very <laughs> clever. But I guess a lot of us as well, we go yeah, around. But it's with it's not trauma. that it's not very clever, isn't it? Society wants us to do this, you know, be good citizens and work your butts off and pay as much tax as possible. Yeah. Don't be a lounger, you know, society. I think society is putting a lot of pressure on us. And also we then put this on our children. We do. Yeah. Without knowing it. I yes. mean, we basically just repeat the things that we were taught by, by our uh, parents. So unless we're able to unplug from the, the rat race and take a step back and see the bigger picture and questioning, what am I doing? Then we will just, I guess, continue, go on and on and on with, with uh, 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 tunnel vision and just repeat what we have been taught. Yeah. So, and I know, I'm sorry, Daniel, I'm taking every bit of time here. <laughs> no problem. But, um, so you stepped out of the rat race and you yeah. took that risk then to, and I can kind of identify with that, to start teaching breathing. It's quite a big uh, departure, you know? Yeah, yeah. How did yeah. it feel? Was it risky? Were you apprehensive about it? I mean, I had to sell my house and I, I had uh, uh, ran a, a quite successful IT company before and I had sold it, but then, uh, my money started to uh, I started to run out of money so I had to sell my house and at that time at that time I was either uh, finding a job that could get me an income or I continued to develop the concept I've created conscious breathing and in order to do that I uh, didn't have enough money so I had to sell my house and at the time I remember when I gave my first course there were one participant and the second mm. course there were two participants and one of them 
who really needed it because he had asthma and you could see all over his face that he was a chronic mouth breather and fast breather but he decided to to quit the course mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was not a brilliant start and at that time i needed to make that decision but at the end of the day it was really really easy because as soon as i saw myself in a company setting working for a salary it was like i was uh, trapped i was boxed in this was my life missions uh, with spreading the the breathing and uh, mm. um, at the end of the day it was a really easy decision so do you think it was good instinct hunch intuition something Looking was driving you there yeah indeed absolutely it was my gut feeling and before i didn't always have the ability to access that i believe when we live up in our head it's really hard to be connected with our heart and our emotions and with our gut and, and our stomach and our gut feeling so yeah absolutely i think it was the right decision yeah yeah and how when how uh, what year was that roughly that was 2009 2010 okay so and then and, and then actually it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting that we've uh myself done a, a a few podcasts because uh, you you did you you've done a few experiments here in sweden with and Klaus Björling, who has been on one of our podcasts, he was he was on one of your, so to speak, your experience. And I know you did an experiment. I'm not not really sure. Ten years ago, roughly, or whatever it was, with James Nestor, where you, I guess, you mouth breathed, forced to mouth breathe for a week, and that what and how that affected your mind and your body. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was in 2018. We did that in oh, okay. Stanford. Yeah. So actually, it was ten days. We did, we blocked our nose so we could only mouth read. And uh, when James asked me, do you want to participate? No, I said, but I'm far too curious to, to, to not <laughs> do it. So, so it, it was a mixed feeling when we started that, plugging our, our nose and only mouth reading. But I don't want to have it undone because it was really, really interesting to be a 100% mouth reader for, for that long. At least that was how I felt it, 10 days. Mm -hmm. uh, so it had a huge negative impact on my sleep, on my stress levels, on my sugar cravings, on my mind. I felt many times I felt really stupid, actually. Mm -hmm. and, and the balance, that was interesting, how it affected my balance as well. One of the things we did, just as an example, we measured tons of things, three times per day, one hour each time. So in total three hours per day, plus a lot of things we measured at Stanford. Uh, one of the things was to just close our eyes and stand on one leg. And with mouth breathing, I had to put down the other foot six times more than with, with nasal breathing. Mm. That's really a lot. Mm. I think that's due to, partly due to the position of the tongue, but there's very little research on it, Anders. There was one study that they did something similar. They blindfolded individuals and they changed the position of the tongue. And with the position of the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth, they had better balance on an uneven surface. And um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, very interesting that most people won't consider. But in the main, it's kind of sad to think that between 25 to 50 percent of studied children persistently mouthbreed and nobody is saying anything. And most doctors don't see a difference between breathing through the nose and breathing through the mouth. No. They don't see that difference. 
it's really really amazing it is it's it's unfortunately it's detrimental for our health you, you know the book shut your mouth and, and save mm -hmm. your life that came yes. out 150 years ago yeah yes uh, even though it, you could dismiss it as just anecdotal because it doesn't have any actual data from the indian tribes but what he saw more than anything was that they had their mouth closed and they had superior health straight teeth and and beautiful faces compared to the uh, at the time in the 1850s the bill of mortality uh, only one uh, out of four could celebrate their 25th birthday three out of four they died before that age um, and yeah for sure the, the tongue in the roof of the mouth and nasal breathing it has such a huge and it was written about again sorry daniel back in 1909 i think it was a, an article by delong in a journal called dental cosmos and when you're reading it it talks about children in class being inattentive and the teacher is accusing these children of not paying attention the face is dull and expressionless and we could read that today 113 or 14 years later it's the exact same issues as back in 1909 why why do you think it hasn't moved on why do you why there there's something holding breathing back well i think there are a few things but but still when when i started and and you started much earlier than me right then at the time it was really not very well known compared to then today it's a huge difference but still we are just scratching the surface i i see a few things uh one is the medical community. I mean, you can't really train to become a doctor for six, seven, eight years and tell people how to breathe. Anyone could tell that if you think of breathing just like a very simple thing, but actually it is much more complex than we think. And and another thing I think. So do you think don't, yeah. sorry, do you think it's too simple for the medical doctor? Why spend eight years training in medical school? and devote a part of that eight years to something which is regarded as kind of left a field woo woo even though it's entirely based on physiology and even though we could argue that it impacts all of the major disciplines of medicine sleep respiration mental health movement i think that's a part of it yes uh, there are very few people that can build their career on on doing breathing research for example that there should be uh, more I, I mean if i'm 25 and okay let's i, I want to cure the can, uh, uh, cancer you you probably won't uh, go for breathing immediately you, you would uh, consider other paths and, and you also need funding right and probably the funding for breathing isn't really there either so i think there are a lot of things uh, and, and and also the fact that in the medical community, you have all these specialties. So if you're specialized in the nose or you're specialized in asthma or you're specialized in, in the heart, you may not be able to see the bigger picture. You may not be able to see that, oh, we have a common denominator here that people are uh, not breathing very well. Mm -hmm. and, and I think also another factor is uh, to go to us as individuals because taking responsibility for our 
breath, that really means that we also take responsibility for our health and our life. And not a lot of us are prepared to do that. That's scary. But many of, many of us, I think, we spend most of our life just running away from the things that scares us the most, the, the traumas we have, the, which we all have, right? But I, could I think, uh, Anders, that uh, uh, the breathing is kind of hidden in plain sight, that you, it's, a, it's something you do so many times, you don't really pay attention to it, and it shifts slowly for most people for years. So you don't think about it, you kind of just adjust, you adjust to it. You, but if it's like, same with weight gains, so to some degree, yeah. if you gain uh, 70 pounds overnight, you would be, you know, you would notice it. But if you do it over 40 years, you don't really think about it. No. And I think one reason I saw you also have an aura ring. I could see oh, that. Yeah. And yeah. now you can see, now you can actually see it. You get like a, uh, like these, uh, the data points every day of visualizations. And I think that that will help like a portable doctor that will give people feedback and help them say, oh, it's getting worse or better. Before there wasn't really until something happens. So somebody would ask me or something. But if you kind of like in between, you're kind of like, oh, it's, you just live with it. Yeah. So I think it's, 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 it's part of it, I think, as well that it's, it's something you should naturally do. Most people think about, like Patrick said, we don't breathe the same way we did, you know, thousands of years ago. We have a completely different life, but we assume our physiology will be the same. And it's not when you sit still all day, look at screens, you have the stress all day, that alters the breathing pattern. So I think it's it's tricky. And then and also to pay for something that's free. You, you, you do it already, so. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it doesn't fit in, in, in our economy, right? Yeah. yeah. Even though you may argue this is one of the most important things you can do. And if you learn how to change it still, yeah. it's, it's so that I think that's the dichotomy. That's the, that's the paradox why it's kind of hidden, what I call hidden in plain sight. Because yeah. uh, you can't really see it. No. And I, I, as you say, I really think that all these gadgets can help people understand what uh, what is the price for the, the lifestyle choices I make? Yep. For example, if, if you have an, a tracker at night, you will be able to see that maybe alcohol has a negative impact on my sleep or eating too late or eating too much or unplugging from um, social media too late, etc., etc. Hmm. Yeah, I think for many people, that's the first step, awareness. Awareness, awareness right. that it matters. Then once you're aware... Then you have to know what to do. It's not enough to have a gadget that just tells you, okay, these are the numbers. Then you have to know what to do, why you're doing it, when you're doing it. And also, like anything else, you need kind of people to help you to build the habit sometimes. Like even though you know what to eat, people don't do it. Even though you know exercise is good for you, you don't do it. So I think it's a long road and we're we're in we're still at the awareness stage in the breathing world, I would say. It's not enough. There's not enough people in the world that's aware of it. No, no, I, I agree totally. But we are still, we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. And one reason I believe why we know all the things that are good for us and still we don't do them, I think it boils down to energy and their sleep is so important. And in today's society, we, society, we have a tendency to, to uh, I mean, it's almost, wow, you have a superpower. You only sleep five hours per night. Wow. And we are jealous about that person. But I'm not sure if, if that is long-term 
beneficial. I, I think we should prioritize sleep much more. And, and just if we ask the question, do you wake up to the alarm? If we do that, that means actually that we are depriving our body of the sleep it needs and wants. And I think most people do that. And, and what we also forget, if we have realized that sleep is important, we tend to forget the, um, the connection between breathing and sleep. It's not only about laying down in, in bed and, and sleep. Mm. We also have to consider our breathing while sleeping. I agree. Yeah. So what, as, as, as far as where have, where do you think uh, breathing is at right now? And what do you, what does it take to make it move forward? Do you have any ideas of uh, where you think uh, should happen to make it, you know, more awareness around the world? I, I know Victor Hugo, he said, nothing is stronger than an idea whose time has come. And I guess it's just for us breathing nerds to continue spreading, spreading this mm. simple knowledge. And, and uh, we plant seeds and over time those seeds will grow and over time people will tell other people. So at some point we will create a, uh, a tipping point and it will just be very natural, I think, for people to not uh, in the first instance uh, when they have health issues go to uh, to uh, surgery or pills or, or syringes but to go to themselves and, and see what yeah. they can do and a lot of things like sleep and breathing and emotional uh, uh, release those are free or uh, moving uh, exercising yeah i think that i think i saw it was mind valley that said this they're, they're kind of trying to create this new type of university but basically at the bottom of, of uh, their teaching or whatever you want to call it is focus. Mm -hmm. So if you're not focused, you're not kind of open to whatever subject you're talking about, math or English or whatever. Yeah. But if you want to be focused, you know, breathing is key. So I, I focus needs energy. Our brain is yeah. our main consumer of oxygen. And, and yeah. if we have fight flight breathing, uh, when we're concentrating, it may not be optimum. Yeah. So, so for me, I think we need to get it. It's important to get it into schools. That's the point. You need to bring it back to like the generation growing up where breathing is then a natural thing that you actually learn to breathe and focus before or in parallel with other subjects. Because if you're if you're not focused, then the door is shut for learning. So it's kind of like you're you're yeah. in school, but nothing you don't really you don't really learn. So but then you they test people more and more. And it makes them more and more stressed. So instead, maybe focus on teaching young uh, kids how to breathe, how to focus, and then slowly bring them into actually learning the subjects. That's that's like kind of like the opposite. But then it becomes a habit, and when the habit is formed and it's automatic, then it becomes natural. So I think it could also be a, a generation issue that it may it's going to happen sooner or later. But it may take 10, 15, 50 years. Who knows? But yeah. hopefully sooner than later. I think it needs to start straight away, Daniel. Um, I think it's absolutely terrible. I went through the school system, as all of us have done. I didn't have a great experience with it. You know, I got out at 14 years of age, never to go back. And um, out of total frustration, you can have very, very bright kids with poor sleep and poor breathing, and they are not going to do well academically. And 
their self-confidence is going to be affected for this by the for the rest of their life because you will always compare yourself to your peers when you're in that classroom environment because society is telling you whether you're intelligent or not based on what you do academically even though of course it has got very little to do with intelligence it's got some something to do with it but it's not the entire picture <clears throat> and i'm just thinking of the the number of kids in school and in high schools and in university where the point that you made there is a demand and an absolute need to be focused to narrow your attention to one thing to be able to hold your attention to be concentrated and also to have a decent attention span and it has been completely overlooked in the education system these kids are not being taught how to concentrate and it's not about mindfulness I think it's huge. I think it's crying out for help. Um, maybe the, I don't want to go into the religion to ask too much, but sometimes I feel that it's kind of ironic that interest in institutionalized religion is wavering and decreasing and interest in breathing is increasing. And I'm wondering, is breathing going to be the void or fill the void to some degree? Because, you know, as human beings, we need to be able to have something that when things go wrong, that we have some tools to bring us solace. And traditionally, it was the church. Yeah. Things go wrong. You visited mass. You had a higher being who was looking after you and it gave you relief. Now, when things go wrong, many people are not going to church. Could breathing be that, that solace? I, I think that's a really interesting point, Patrick. And and one way of looking at it, I think, is that not only religion, we can also see how we, in general, we look for external things. We look for authorities, whether they are religious or political leaders or uh, money or uh, uh, medication. We have a tendency to overlook the enormous power we have inside. So I, I think you are right there, that we are doing a shift where we, uh, put less and less of our efforts into external authorities uh, uh, as we turn to our breathing and are able then to connect with our inner self and our inner power. I, I, I did a podcast interview a couple of days ago, and there we discussed a study which I think is really interesting. They did it on rats and those poor rats, but yeah, that, that's, I guess, how it is. And they throw them in water and they see, wanted to see how long they would survive before drowning. And on average, it's, it's some, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not very nice, these poor rats. But anyway, they, on average, for 15 minutes, they survived before sinking down and drowning. But before they drowned, they picked them up and put them to the side. And then they were laying there for a few minutes, just, you know, catching their breath. Uh, and then they threw them in the water again because they wanted to see how long would it be able to do it the second time, a, a shorter time, the same or longer. I thought maybe they would only be able to do shorter because I thought maybe they were then conditioned to giving up. But they did longer and not only longer, they did a huge amount longer. They were able to stay there for 60 hours. So they went from 15 minutes to 60 hours just because their mind first there was in fight flight 
doing away with all their resources. They were in panic state, probably breathing very fast, and all the, the alert system were on red alert. The second time, they were sure that someone would save them. They were more calmer, more relaxed. Probably the breathing was then also more relaxed. They had hope. They had they knew that there was someone caring for them, but there wasn't actually someone caring for them, but that was probably what they thought. So I think when we reduce the, the fear and stress and worry, we, we can grow as human beings enormously. We have so much untapped potential, whether it's our health or whether it's uh, love and, and uh, cooperation, because right now, we are not so nice, not to each other, not to the planet, not to the animals, not to the plants. I think we need to to step up in, in order to um, to uh, give something nice to to our kids that are growing up now. I totally agree. Yeah, that was that's, that's an interesting start. What was the what was the purpose of did what did they actually check their their breeding specifically or was it no uh, i don't yeah. think so no it was more to see how they would react yeah okay yeah i'll send you the study yeah yeah because i mean there have been other studies i think you had them in your book patrick as far as you know uh with um with co2 and th these these rats i live in uh, I, I can't remember the name oh that was the naked mole rats yeah naked that, don't, oh, that yeah. don't get cancer and so yeah so, but that's more in a natural habitat. Uh, uh, uh. It is, and it's always difficult as well to kind of show that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Like we know that they're able to survive in high CO2 environment, low oxygen environment. Yeah. Is it because of the CO2 and the low oxygen that they're able to resist cancer? Nobody has really that answer, um, but there's something, something in it. Um, yeah, it's, in it's interesting. It is. But also moving forward, I think, it, I think schools are very important for it to really take off because there, there, there is where you form the habit and you also, it becomes a part of your life. You need, you need some good habits, to, kind of like you do physical exercise. And you can, of course, you can combine it with physical exercise, but you, you actually do it. But I think, I think actually also, uh, I think Wim Hof has really also helped everybody in this community to, to make it very visual uh, of breathing with more forceful breathing and the cold so i think if people are led to to that breathing method they will naturally over time go somewhere else so i think that's also uh that and that's a natural progression i think in in every area wherever you are you know yeah. so i think uh, that also helps and uh so you can see it but it's still moving uh forward and uh and it's not i think yoga is great but it's more like what we're trying to do here is to bring breathing into everyday life every second at work it's not yeah. something you do in the basement and then for two yeah. hours or one hour then you're the done breaths. We, we take our hour how can we if we want to unlock the turbo how can we move away from fight flight breathing to to rest and digest safe and secure breathing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and there's the question that i often feel is based on daniel's point there all of the sports sciences and um, professors working in this field, mm -hmm. teaching strength and conditioning coaches and teaching all of those youngsters who are going to go out into the fitness industry. Why have they no interest in breathing? Why have they no interest in nasal breathing during exercise? Why have they, are they not looking at the relationship between breathing and movement? Mm 
because we know, of course, if breathing is off, movement is off, yeah. and the athlete has an increased risk of uh, injury, why aren't they not looking at breathing in terms of changing states of mind? Um, it's, I'm really intrigued. And even just coming back to the one thing about the nose, because, you know, if we bring it down to that very, very basic level, there's only been a handful of sports medicine sciences. One is George Dallum from Colorado, Colorado State University. Mm-hmm. And he's been very interested in it because he's, he's seen the results with triathletes that he's been working with at a very high level. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to cause that shift? Because, Daniel, I'm just thinking, can you imagine every strength and conditioning coach in the gym? And you all of these members coming into the gym, all of the personal trainers. And if the personal trainers were aware of it, you know, you breathe through your nose, you got better recruitment of the diaphragm, all of the stuff that we know, that could be transformative. Yeah, it could be. And I have one take on that. There was a study where they measured uh, uh, adrenaline levels. So they were hyperventilating and normal air first, the adrenaline levels rose by, um, uh, I think, 360%. And then they did it again a week later. They hyperventilated, but this time the air was spiked with 5% CO2. So the CO2 levels were more or less the same. And then the, the adrenaline levels didn't change either, telling us that when you lower CO2, because in the first hyperventilating, they uh, reduce the CO2 by about 50%. Then adrenaline goes up. So if we take a step back and ask ourselves, why do we love to exercise? Maybe one reason is because we want that adrenaline rush. (laughs) And if we do nasal breathing and keep more CO2 in our body, it's like we're taking away that uh, effect from people. And "Mm, there is something missing. No, I don't know where it is, but I don't like it. I, I want to... Uh, be in fight flight state. I want to feel strong based on adrenaline, but I think there is another level being strong based on um, on higher levels of CO2. Then you actually don't need your fists as much. You don't need to run for your life. You, you feel just strong from the inside out. Mm-hmm. I think so that, could, that could be mm-hmm. a, a, an explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that comes back Yeah. Patrick, to your question a little bit, what we talked about uh, before, that there is science, maybe they haven't read it, but they haven't done it necessarily in school. So they haven't experienced them for themselves. Then they haven't seen it in others. And then they haven't read the science. I think this is the key, Daniel. So it's a progression. You have to have those three in place. If you only have some science, but you haven't tried on anybody else, you haven't tried it yourself, then it's not not strong enough. There's not... The key is the reason that I'm in breathing and so many more, including yourselves, when we practiced a specific pattern of breathing, we got results and we knew there was something in it. And I think what has held breathing back is that breathing has been taught all over the shop for the last number of decades. We'd say the last 40 decades with not having a full understanding of what's actually involved with breathing, that it's more complex, that it's more multidimensional, and not to rely on the extroverted breathing technique of hyperventilation, or not even hyperventilation, simply filling your lungs full of air. The problem which has held back the biochemistry of breathing, and when you're talking about carbon dioxide, Anders, is when you're doing really, really light breathing, subtle breathing, 
under breathing. There is nothing to see. But this was really caught me. I remember when I started practicing this breathing less air, which totally flies in the face what everybody, many people are talking about, even to this day, the temperature of my hands increased. And when you experience changes in your body as a result of that, you know there's something in it. And it does come back to what Daniel's saying. This is not about theory. This is about practicing exercises to open up your nose, to improve yeah. your blood vessels, to increase oxygen delivery, to change states and to experience it. What do you so, think? No, I, I agree totally. And and uh, I mean, the day uh, some athlete does something yes. that Roger Bannister did, he did the impossible. So when someone wins, you know, an Olympic gold medal in, in 5,000 meters and just doing nasal breathing, then probably ends yes. that world record, then probably. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, you know, black people do have a better uh, African origin of a much better nasal structure yeah. than, than ourselves, especially a white person like me with his uh, one nostril smaller than the others. I'm not going to be doing any 5,000 meters um, but that would be the key, you know, um, because your ability to do physical exercise with the mouth closed is going to be influenced by nose size and nasal cavity size. Yeah, but true. it could happen. Like you've seen the, the, the photographs of Sonia Richards Ross, I think, is the runner. And she's a 400 meter sprinter. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she won a number of goals in the London Olympics. And, and in a few photographs online, you see her in full flight and she's got her mouth closed. Like it's mm. pretty amazing. So yeah, I think it does need that's and that's why Wim Hof, you know, in terms of he has been able to put it out there because of course what he's been able to achieve in terms of the extreme feats. It seems that we're it it'll get attention when there's something huge. Yeah. It's also I think when when they when they run Patrick, I think it's it's only if you're observing somebody and you like yourself, you see one person mouth breathing, which is normal when you run 400 meters or 5,000 meters versus another one who's not. But if they had these, um, these like they had tape on Dilators. their noses in, in football, I can't even remember, 15 years ago. Mm. Yeah. But it didn't really, I guess it was there for a year or two, then it didn't really take off. At least you saw it. Mm. Or, or it, when you have something physical, something that you can see, but if you don't see it, again, it's hidden because people, most people wouldn't pay attention. Oh, he's not, he's not breathing. And there is actually, a uh, few um, uh, videos on Instagram with uh, Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer where they go back and forth for like 30 shots unbelievably running from side to side and the reason and most people don't think about it but what I find amazing is after the point they're bo both nose breathing you don't see them panting at all it's mm -hmm. unbelievable so but most people wouldn't pay attention because you don't it's it's kind of hidden so I think there's that's one reason you, it's almost the more successful you are, the less you breathe, the less you see it. Um, so that's 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 one part of the reason, I think. Yeah. So, so, so where do I, we need to go with it? Yeah, I have one idea, and that is that actually, well, well first, when I spread conscious breathing, I don't try to convince anyone. I'm just planting mm. seeds. I'm just turning to those who are willing to listen. In the beginning, I uh, I try to to you know save the world, try to uh, uh, reach everyone. But then I realized they it doesn't are not work. There. No, it doesn't work. So only yeah. the rice glaze over. Here's another weirdo left of field. Yeah, you know, how can I get out of here? 
I've been there too, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but one thing I'm thinking is that actually nature is playing on our side because we see that whether we believe in, in uh, climate change or not, there is an increase in CO2 in the atmosphere. And if we try to understand what was the reason why the civilized people, people in the 1850s living in cities had much poorer health than the savages, the, the Indian people referred to in this book, Shut Your Mouth and Save Your Life. One reason could be maybe that they spent more time indoors, they had more insulated house, and then we, the, the CO2 levels, they increase, right? Because we are CO2 factories. So nowadays we spend like 90% of our time indoors and we have very well insulated houses. And the CO2 levels are about two times as high as the atmospheric levels, which are also increasing. So it's like our exposure to CO2 is getting bigger and bigger. And now with the last couple of years, with the lockdowns where we spend even more times indoors and with the masks where we uh, rebreathe even more of the CO2 than normally, that it's like we're coming to a crossroad. Either you are able to deal with these higher levels of CO2 that you're exposed to and you're able to reach a new level of awareness or you, you fall into the other category where you start to breathe more. Um, so, so maybe I'm not saying that I like what's going on when, when we uh, dig up all the oil and, and we, we consume way too much because that's the structure of our community. If we stop consuming, the whole society will, will fall apart. So we need to consume. Uh, I'm not saying that I like that, but but maybe it's helping us to reach a new level of awareness so that we can create a, a society that is more long-term sustainable. Yeah. It's difficult mm -hmm. to know because I think the vast majority of people, even wearing the masks, they react to the increased CO2 and air hunger with hyperventilation. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's my point. So it's like a mm. crossroad. If you're able to do with it, then you will actually be able to, to benefit yeah. from it. But most, I agree, most people, they will probably end up open up their mouth and, and breathe higher up. Mm. So this initially then comes down to it's really the awareness that you spoke about. You're talking about in and out through the nose, breathing light, breathing slow, breathing low. Yeah. I, I find it interesting. I, I'm going back to that what you just said uh, earlier, and it's about you know kind of like saving the world and planting seeds. I, I even though I agree with it, is there really no way to uh, accelerate that process when there's something so important. Uh, um, it, it's, it seems like maybe a naive uh, illusion, but at the same time, something that's that important, uh, you know, uh, is, there, is there no way? Uh, because the people who are interested in breathing are normally, uh, there's you know, too few and they have usually, you know, some sort of, you know, their biohackers have some sort of problem, but it's not the masses. So how do you reach them? Any ideas on that? I mean, for me, that's where I come from. Stress, performance, uh, tension. So if I adopt that mentality, I will see myself being more stressed, more tense. So no, I just continue with, with the one step at a time, uh, more Zen approach. Otherwise, I, I would not be able to do this, I think. <laughs> I would be too frustrated and 
I, I, I understand that. Well. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I understand. It's but, easy yeah. to fall into it, Anders. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I suppose, Daniel, if we look at what has really catapulted this was in the last couple of years was James Lester's book, Brett. So we need more books getting out there into the public imagination. Um, if I was asked what was the single biggest thing that made the biggest contribution to breathing in the last 20 years, it was that book. I agree. And in many instances, it was, we were working in the cold, we were working in the, that's a lot of the information, you know, we, in our circle, we knew it, but we didn't have the ability of getting it out there into that general public. And James was able to script a wonderful book with stories to capture the imagination. We need more of that. But I think it's about it's about targeting it from a number of different perspectives. And if I was asked, what sector has the biggest potential to transform lives is the yoga community. Can you think of the modern yoga instructor that understands breathing from a biochemical point of view, a biomechanical point of view, a resonance frequency point of view, that understands the vagus nerve, understands sleep, understands changing states, understands how to assess the breathing of their student coming into class, and understands how to bring breathing off the mat. And all of those hundreds of thousands of people going into yoga studios with asthma, with panic disorder, with high stress, with insomnia, with all of these issues, that the yoga instructor could transform this by simply bringing this information. It's the knowledge. It's not that anything massive has to be done. It's just a matter of tweaking what's already out there. And we have to put aside the image that breathing is about left of field and woo-woo and airy-fairy and energy and crystals and all of that. Breathing is absolutely for the people. And that's where we need to drive it. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. But I don't know, I don't know where to bring it. That's my issue. No, but but maybe they were just like James book came and, and made a huge difference. Probably yes. there would be new things coming yes. from the side and helped to grow this. And and yeah. re regarding research, I think it's very important. And and my dream has been for a long time to create my own research institute I'm, I'm still working on it uh, so we have this device we have been developing now for almost five years um what's it about you're going to let me into your secrets oh yeah it, it's called breath uh, breath key so you basically you analyze it's like a capnometer you analyze mm -hmm. the oxygen and the carbon dioxide and your breathing frequency your breathing volume your breathing rhythm and also the temperature and humidity. And I mean, the, the big vision with this product is if a dog can smell cancer or diabetes, which they can, why in the world shouldn't our electronic nose also be able to, to do the same? I think that we will be able to discover over time when we have a lot of measurements and data, see patterns and see like, okay, there is a, a breath print, like a fingerprint for an asthmatics, for a person with panic attacks for for a person with sleep problems etc a breath dna yeah breath dna yeah i i think that's that's a part of the 
uh, as well, uh, Anderson Patrick, is when you get these biometric devices more and more, when that becomes mainstream and you're looking to see what affects, and eventually you will hear about breathing, and then it, then eventually everybody will have them whenever that is. But you, you, I, I can tell when people have it on, it's it's still far from mainstream, but it's it's getting more and more exposure. And uh, and also, of course, a ring. That's I, maybe that's the point. You don't really you don't really pay attention unless you're looking for it. So again, but eventually it will happen. I think it's very important to get that feedback in the first couple of years or whatever it is to see what affects you. Because if you don't do it, then you don't really know if you're going in the right direction. So I think all these devices, I know some are negative, will help to spread it. Uh, so, and eventually get into schools as well. Yes. Yeah. It would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of the final 10 years from now, I really feel that uh, the trajectory where it's going, Anders, is going to be very interesting. I think it's moving. I know traditionally when a concept gets into health, it takes about 20 to 25 years mm -hmm. and it takes 500 papers on PubMed. Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose we can also draw on the research over the last 30 years with heart rate variability. You know, so in many ways, we have the research out there in terms of changing states and resilience. And it's knowing the techniques then to impact that. And it comes back to the devices that Daniel was talking about. The devices are giving you feedback. But the real question is, how do you alter? How do you improve it? How do you optimize it? And we can do that by breathing. And it does start with sleep, I would agree with you. And also with nasal breathing. Because if you have insomnia and sleep disorder breathing, already your recovery is going to be impacted negatively. Yeah. And it is also brought in um, by your everyday. But one thing that you seem to feel that breathing could be the savior of the planet. I don't want to put that out in an exaggerated way, but you see that there's a role that would people become more engrossed, not engrossed with breathing, but more aware of their breathing, that it will give them a better capacity to be more caring for themselves, for the people they're around, but also for the environment at large. I absolutely, 100% certain about that. For me, the, the Conscious Breathing Project, I mainly talk about it as a health project, a performance project, but at the end of the day, the core is a peace project because if you have peace on the inside, there will be peace on the outside. You will uh, communicate more peacefully, you will act more peacefully, you will be kinder, you will cooperate better. And I think that that is where we need to go. I think we are all in this together, we do this, journey together so it doesn't matter if i uh, take care of myself very good i eat all the right things i breathe i sleep etc and then someone that is not feeling well is uh, getting drunk and uh, uh, goes into the car and drive me over it doesn't really matter then how well i have taken care of myself i really think we need to and un have the attitude of helping each other that really we, we do this together so let's help each other to to grow and evolve and and uh, become a better, better version of ourselves and mm -hmm. yeah i think breathing is is a core it it i mean it it helps you the the 
to coordinate the, the breathing rhythm will affect the heart rhythm, the brain rhythm, and the, the digestive rhythm. Mm. So we will be able to sync with the breath as the leader, as the CEO in, in me incorporated. It will be able to sync the, 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 the brain waves with the heart rhythm, with the, uh, with the stomach. Mm. It'd be very interesting in uh, five years' time to, uh, or maybe sooner, hopefully, hopefully sooner, yeah. to come back and, and kind of see where breathing is at. And it's maybe if you can go back and say, well, it was because of biometric devices, it was because of influence or Instagram or whatever, because, you know, or all, maybe everything or whatever it is. Uh, because it, it will be very interesting. And I, I guess most of the time, when you, whenever you guess, you, you, you make the wrong prediction. So it would, it would be very interesting to, to do that, actually. Yeah. Because I think, I think uh, like both of you see, there's a lot, a lot of things going on in the breeding space, and uh, it's kind of going faster and faster. So I think, uh, ironically, so I think in five years' time, we'll, we'll see we're at a place and uh, maybe breeding is a completely different place. It'd be very interesting at least mm. to see. It's super. It's super. Yeah. Well, I think it's been a pleasure. Yep. Absolutely. And Daniel, it's been very good. It's actually, in fact, different podcasts because we've spoken a, at least are oftentimes you feel the podcast that kind of, you talk about the one thing over and over and over and over. So here we, we, we did something different. So that was kind of nice. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good. So Anders, if Do you it again. Want, We'll do yep, it again. Absolutely. Yep. If people want to find out a little bit more about you, they go to your website. Yeah, consciousbreathing.com. And it's the same name on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, Conscious it's Breathing. Yeah. It's a pleasure, guys. Great, great. Thank awesome. you so much, Anders. Thank you. Thank you, Anders. Thank you.